Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is the show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between, and today is a fun one. I have Austin Karp. He is the managing editor of Digital at Sports Business Journal and Daily. Austin, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. The pleasure, Austin, is all mine. I promise you that. It's a good day to be alive. It's going to be a fun one, and obviously, I love sports business, and who else would I rather talk to than a guy that works at sports business? It's a great topic. I love it. It's a fun one. It's an interesting one. I think it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger over time. But Austin, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast mm-hmm. is, why do you love sports so much? I mean, I have always like had a very big affinity for sports, played and watched growing up, just like anybody else. Um, it never really occurred to me that sports could be a career. It wasn't like something that I had gravitated towards. I was more into like uh, international affairs and politics and, mm. and, you little, and business a little bit. And, you know, the law, I kind of always had gravity. I thought, oh, I'll be a lawyer since I'm around eight years old. And, uh, you know, that's that's where I ended up. It wasn't until that like, I really wanted to say, is this what do I want to do with the rest of my career that I was like, all right, like it just so happened. Sports Business Journal is in Charlotte. I was in Charlotte working at a law firm here. There was an opportunity to do some research there on the ground level. And my boss to this day, Abe Madcore, is like, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, this is a great opportunity. And, you know, years later, he was like, uh, I'm, I was surprised you lasted six months. And, uh, you know, here I am 15 years later. I love it, man. I think it's awesome. And I definitely want to dive into that aspect mm-hmm. of going from attorney to research associate uh, in, in a little bit. But I think it's it's important for people to understand that, yes, there's a lot of different things you can do in sports. And that's why I actually started the show was because personally, when I was coming out of college, it was, well, do you want to sell tickets? No. Oh, well, I guess you can't work in sports. It's like, that's the only way you can get in. Yeah. And, and that is not the reality. Obviously, there's so many different people doing so many different things, entrepreneurs, different businesses. Obviously, the tech aspect has absolutely mm-hmm. exploded over the last five to 10 years. So it was just something very frustrating. So I thought, you know, I know a lot of cool people. Why don't I just talk to them and ask them questions about what they're doing? Because I met, I used to go to New York City all the time and mm-hmm. I used to network constantly and, and, you know, meet all these people doing all these cool things. And now, now I use LinkedIn a lot for that. So everybody that has received LinkedIn messages from me, pleasure to meet you. But the technology helps. It helps keep yeah, people closer. It does. It definitely, definitely does. But it's, um, it was fun. So now just getting to talk to people about some of the things that they've done and what they're doing, I think is pretty, pretty important. And, and I guess let's let's go back to that aspect. Mm-hmm. The uh, So you're a lawyer, you know, hot shot, getting ready, right? You're a young guy, excited, you know, hey, you got the yeah. whole world's like, hey, in the next five to 10 years, I'll be making X dollars. And, you know, I'll be, you know, wearing suits and looking good and this, that and the other. And then what, like, what was it about this opportunity that, you know, going from attorney to research associate i mean that's an ego hit right away especially at a young age that's kind of a difficult thing to tell your parents tell your friends like you know i was on this path to become a lawyer and now i think it would be kind of fun to work at a startup upstart media company like how how what was that aspect of taking that job like there were a few surprised people in my life uh, family members friends like didn't you just spend three years Mm -hmm. uh you know going to law school it's like yeah but um, but I, I guess if you ask the people I knew best, like once I told them I got into sports, they're like, yeah, you should have been doing that the whole time. Um, but you know, I, I, I did go to law school, you know, and I wasn't sure at the, t- you know, while I was in there that I necessarily wanted to practice law. I had kind of geared a lot towards maybe public service. You know, I had passed the foreign service exam for the state department and had looked into getting into the foreign service there. But, uh, you know, I got out looked up for some other, you know, government related jobs. I'm very civic minded. And that's something that I would, would have been very proud to do. 
um, you know, but eventually, you, you know, you, you do have to get a job. And uh, I ended up working for a firm, one of the best firms here in Charlotte, uh, Moran Van Allen, and I was doing work for them. And it's a very nice firm with some you know, very talented people. And I would have been, you know, very probably happy to stay there. Like you said, it, being a lawyer is, you know, it's a successful career. But I was just looking at myself trying to, you know, really know myself a little better. And it's like, do I really want to do this? And I think you hear that with a lot of attorneys or a lot of people that have gone to law school. It's like, I'm not really into the law. I maybe thought it was, you know, it was a safe option. And it's always good to have the law degree because you are able to do so many things. You have a very analytical mind. You're taught to do that day in and day out for a while. Um, I saw this opportunity. It was honestly like in a print ad, like a little like two inch ad for Sports Business Journal. And I, I knew somebody who had worked there and I asked them about it. And they're like, yeah, it's great. And I'm like, all right, let me let me potentially interview for a sports job to see what it's like. And I interviewed with Abe Madcore and some other people. And like I said, Abe's like, are, are you sure you want to do something like this? And I was like, yeah, I think it'd be a fantastic opportunity. And yeah, I started off doing research on, you know, anything with a number, attendance, uh, ROI for sponsors on TV. And what I really got into was the television audience metrics ratings. And I've kind of really, I, you know, I took over that and really made it my own and kind of established that as like my go-to, like I talk to publications all around, you know, the, the country on, you know, what they mean. And especially now because ratings are maybe more important than ever. But uh, I mean, this, yeah, the switch was surprising, but uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was totally worth it. I, I enjoy going to work every day. And if you can do that, like, it, I mean, it's just, it's such a fantastic thing. There are so many people that every day, five days a week, hate what they do for yeah. nine to 10 hours a day. If you had that commute in there and that was just never something that I could get, uh, I, I, I couldn't do that. I had a job in finance for a little while. It wasn't mm -hmm. for me. Uh, I quickly got out of that and yeah, haven't, haven't hated a day in my life since thankfully. So it's, uh, it's tough to find your way sometimes and you got to try some different things and you know, yeah, like the pay scale from going from attorney to journalism and you got to be willing to to make that sort of sacrifice and uh it's it's work and you just got to find what's good for you yes and worst comes to worst i mean you still have the law degree right like yes. if after six months it didn't quite work out i'm sure there was always gone back to the law where in charlotte somewhere in the united states that could have possibly hired you back and i'm sure you would have been just fine as you said being able to do that and i guess one thing about the sports world that's always I mean, I'm okay with it because I live in it and I love it. And, you know, some days it gets a little more tiring than others, but the always being on, like, mm -hmm. I'm sure in the beginning it was a little different than what it is now. Maybe it's not, you can, you can educate us on that, but especially understanding. So if the ratings were your thing, I assume that's something that you're up at a very early time in the morning, um, Monday through Sunday, figuring out, all right, what was the college football? What was the NFL? What was this? What was that? Mm -hmm. How have you dealt with, personally, the always on aspect of living in this sports world? You know, it, it's tough. It's um, it, it's tough for the first 12 years, I believe, of working with SBJ, SBD. I was more on the daily side. So I was in the office 545 every day, Ooh. Monday through Friday. And, you know, not leaving till 430. And, you know, the way that we operated, you were kind of done at that point. But yeah, it is. I got to know what's going on on the, on the TV landscape all the time. What's on? What's going on? There isn't so much Saturday Sunday work because you know Nielsen, who produces these, doesn't really come out with ratings on the weekend. So you you gear yourself up to a routine like you know when there used to be overnights, those are coming out Monday morning. You're making your calls to all the networks on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever 
you know, national numbers come out, the numbers that really matter. And uh, you're, you're, you're doing that. And, on, you know, is there a game Thursday? If it's midweek, you know, there could be an NBA finals game or a Monday night football game or an NHL final. Um, there's just you got to pay attention to the calendar a lot. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something that people need to, you know, when getting into sports, it's something that you really need to understand. So you brought up ratings mm-hmm. a couple of times and I was going to wait to ask this, but rather than forgetting, mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask it now. How do ratings work? Does anybody actually know? Cause I've heard <laughs> like how Nielsen actually produces them and it sounds like totally bogus and it doesn't sound like we're actually getting any amount of information from it. So please educate us on how ratings work, especially if you've been doing this thing for like 15 years. So like, you know, if, if you're talking about a rating, uh, you know, it's like one, a one rating, a 1.0 mm-hmm. is like, you know, 1% of the total number of households that are, uh, you know, TV households in the U S which I can't remember the number, but it's, you know, over a hundred million or 120 mm-hmm. million or something like that these days. I can't even remember the number, but um, the number that I focus on is not so much a rating because no one, like you said, no one understands what a rating is. Nope. And years ago I switched to describing it as, you know, viewers, how many eyeballs watched this a hundred million people watched the Super Bowl. People mm-hmm. are more able to grasp that and understand that and make comparisons between the two. Um, but, you know, yeah, Nielsen has a proprietary, you know, measurement system for how they get all that. And it's not perfect, but everybody uses it and everybody knows that it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. And they try to, you know, they try to keep Nielsen honest in terms of, you know, how they're measuring, where they're measuring parts of the country. You know, a household in Tampa with, you know, a lot of retirees, two people in a home is not a household in Utah where there might be seven or eight people or, or something like that, just given you know, sizes of families in different parts of the country. And, you know, there's just a lot and they are getting more digital um, in terms of their measurement. They are getting away from, you know, the people writing in the diary what they were watching the night before. Like, you know, that, yeah, that's just antiquated. And mm-hmm. you want to use the best technology possible. Um, if, if you're watching on a set top box, it's just a lot easier to pull off of that what they were watching, you know, based on the data of who is in that home. And, you know, for sports in particular, something they rolled out now is, quicker measurement of the out of home number, mm-hmm. which, you know, in a non COVID world on a Sunday, people are packing bars, restaurants, airports, you know, gather around any TV they can find to watch like a football game. And that could, you know, some of that was baked into numbers that they provide to advertisers, you know, that advertisers pay, but, you know, you could be talking about a five to 15 or 20% increase in the number once you factor in mm-hmm. those out of home measurements, because you're talking about dorms and two and vacation homes, there's just so much that wasn't really measured, you know, for watching football, because it, it is a, you know, on, especially on Sundays, it's a communal activity where people gather at bars and, you know, you find me a bar that's not packed on a Sunday morning afternoon. Normally you can go to the bar on Sunday morning. I'm not going to say anything, man. Don't worry. <laughs> Premier League coverage, of course. Yeah, see, perfect. There we go. You can watch soccer and yell with the hooligans. There's nothing wrong. I've walked through New York City at 10 in the morning on Saturdays and Sundays. You yeah, I heard, it's, I heard it's a rabid and growing it's thing. Nuts. It's nuts, but it's uh, also a blast. So shout out. Shout out to all those crazy people. We got to love them. And I guess it because ratings have been very confusing to me. It's just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, a person on the outside. It's just like, well, why? Why can't Comcast just tell them what I was watching? Like, why can't Verizon just be like, this is how many people watch the giants on Sunday. Do, do you just, trust them? Do you trust them to give you an internal number that is accurate? That's what the great thing about Nielsen and other companies um, is great is that it's a third party. And that's what advertisers in particular want because they're the ones that are paying the ad dollars. They want to know that a third party is telling them that this program got this many viewers and they're getting the return on investment that they were seeking. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's always been it's always been something. It's always been something. So after getting, you know, starting your your career here at SBJ SBD, mm-hmm. um, you then made it to assistant managing editor. You did that for about a decade. Yeah. That's a long time. What exactly, you know, what what does that increased role look like going from a research associate now to being a, a managing editor at this publication? You know, uh, I folded the research department into that role, so I was still doing a lot of the research. But yeah, I was, you know, helping to manage the writers and put out our sports business daily products, which is like, you know, our morning buzz, which kind of sets the tone for the day, our, you know, our bigger product, the daily, which comes out around noon. And the best way to describe the daily or any of these features and then from the daily is an executive news service, summing up, you know, mainly 80%, 85% aggregation of what we see around the country. We're searching hundreds of sites and Twitter and listening to podcasts and TV shows and, you know, newspapers you've never heard of from, you know, small college towns and to see if they've struck any sort of deal. You know, we're trying to gather as much information as we can, you know, synthesize it and, you know, really uh, provide executives a look at what's going on, you know, reactions to telecasts from TV critics, things like that. So that's kind of what the, the, the 12 p.m., feed looks like. And then there's a closing bell at four o'clock that is a kind of a snapshot of maybe stuff that went on during the day, what might be going on that night for either, you know, if it's a documentary that's breaking or a telecast that's going on the night for game one of the World Series, maybe we'll give you a World Series ratings trend to kind of show you what to expect. Um, and, uh, you know, we, now we also have these, uh, you know, these newsletters. So there's just a lot going on. But from the daily side, that's what I was doing, helping put those products together helping really shape what was going on there. Um, Rick Ellington, he's the managing editor of Sports Business Daily. He's been doing this um, a little bit longer than I have. And, uh, you know, he's really an expert at that. That is incredible. 5.45 every morning. Shout out. Shout Rick, out Rick Ellington's there around 5 o'clock in the morning every day for at least the last 13, 14 years. The guy's a machine. And you might, you have to love what you do at that point, right? It makes it a lot easier, I'm sure. It does. He's a big sports guy. You know, I give him hell for being a Chapel Hill fan. And, uh, oh, you know, no. Let's there's go a lot of ACC it. ribbing going on, considering we're in Charlotte, a lot of ACC guys. So uh, it's a fun office environment to be in. Let's go Duke, man. Let's go Duke. I'm all See what I'm talking about. There we go. There we go. Um, so at what point, so you're there, you know, you're there for 12 years or whatever up to this point. At what point? point do you kind of push your chips into the table and say i think digital i don't think this is as much of a fad anymore right i remember when the first iphone came out was that 2008 maybe and i remember the first person that had it was richard kid in in high school and we're all like oh my god can we look at it you couldn't do anything with it but it was really cool and then obviously smartphones got to get more integrated more integrated into our society and now everybody has one in their pocket pretty much i guess at what point did you guys over you guys and girls over at spj spd or or you personally when did you collectively make the decision that hey like this is gonna be bigger this is gonna be a lot bigger podcasts are gonna be a thing video is gonna be one of the most important things on planet earth how how did you come to that decision personally to want to make that your career path, but then also as the publication? You know, as a journalist, I'm a digital native coming into the, you know, the sports business daily side. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had, we have a lot of long time, you know, journalism school guys on the print side. So it was kind of bringing everything together, especially on the journal side and like how reading the tea leaves out there, reading trends out there, like what are, what are people reading? How are they consuming their information? And you're, you're seeing people, we're starting to create these newsletters and it's, you know, outside of sports, you, you have your Axios and your Politicos 
and and uh, CNN and Brian Stelter was you know started doing one from CNN like you know quick quicker reads or you know in your inbox a lot of people are just spending a lot more time in their inbox these mm-hmm. days and we were like how can we get into that space and you know we had some discussions and I was like this is a fantastic opportunity and we started off doing one on media twice a day with John Arand and or twice a week excuse me mm-hmm. and twice a week on college with our with Michael Smith who covers that space because th- those are uh, you know pretty big areas to cover particularly with the business of sports and you know we, we've grown it because you know people want more you know quick easy things to get through so we, we have esports we have football you know we'll be launching sports betting this week nice so um, we have, you know, once we something we started at the beginning of the pandemic was kind of a catch all that we call SBJ unpacks. And, you know, that's open for anybody to subscribe. It's kind of our outside the paywall, get a taste of the sports business journal sort of thing. So, you know, you can always, you, people can always check that out, even if they don't have a subscription you know, to sports business journal. I'll make sure to have a link to that for anybody in the show notes if they want to check that out because that sounds like a lot of fun. And I think, yes, betting coming around, that was going to be a question that Huge. we're going to talk about in, in a little bit considering. So I'm here in New Jersey, as I said mm-hmm. before, and uh, we've been crushing, just crushing it the last couple months. I think mm-hmm. $1.5 billion, if I'm not mistaken. Set another record last two yeah. months. I think they've set records. Yep, set records the last couple months. Hopefully one of these months we just get a bill. Just just a nice, cool nine zeros um, in, in that betting handle. I'm, I'm putting a couple dollars into that that pool i promise not that much but mm-hmm. i'm putting a couple dollars in and i guess you know so with the digital side you know one thing you said people like that shorter quicker easier to read easier to get through but mm-hmm. as a journalist at heart like isn't that frustrating like the twitterification i guess of everything and i personally hate twitter i think it's the worst place on planet earth and only bad things happen there now that's obviously not true but that's the way i feel every time i go on there and i try and mute as many words as i possibly can because i don't want to see anything about any of those topics mm-hmm. it's not about college football football or the mets and i probably should mute a lot of the mets stuff as well i don't really want to see it so i guess from your standpoint, from seeing kind of that happen over time, especially as you said, having some of those more veteran guys on the staff, you personally being there for about 15 years now, mm-hmm. do, do you hate that? Just kind of seeing how everything has to get shrunk, shrunk, shrunk to, if it's not in 280 characters, people aren't going to care nearly as much about it. You know, it, it, that doesn't bother me as much. Um, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm actively putting stuff out there a lot. Where can um, everybody find you on Twitter, Austin? At Austin Carp. Very simple. One, one word. Nice and easy. Um, but, uh, it, that has become the place where you break news. That's kind of like, you know, the old, you know, stock ticker, it's something that's always coming down and you're looking for the latest information and yeah, it can get a little bad there depending on what topics, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, politics, especially now is very hard. It's, you know, you don't want to read that stuff. So in that case, yeah, maybe you want stuff that's in your inbox that you can really filter, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to be cognizant of people's time. And there, there's a lot of time at work. There's a lot of time with other newsletters that they're interacting. Maybe it is politics. Maybe it's something from Entertainment Weekly. Maybe they, they're into movies. So we want to give them as you know a, a taste of what's going on and as much information as possible, but be respective of their time. And that's why I, I'm not upset with the brevity of it. You're still getting you know pretty good information, very breaking news, analysis. You know we're we're providing a, a great value for the people that subscribe to those newsletters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make sure everybody go follow at Austin Carp. Uh, it sounds like you do have some pretty good stuff that you're putting out there, especially about those ratings and everything. A lot of ratings. A lot of ratings stuff. Um, very curious, I guess. Uh, that, that was kind of your calling card. And I guess that's actually been a 
hot topic in the streets recently, um, mm-hmm. as we've seen kind of with all the sports not being here and then all the sports coming back. And some people saying it's politics that they're not, you know, not as many people are going to watch. And, you know, obviously NBA finals is a good one. You know, we had game six of the NBA finals, LeBron James winning his fourth. I watched that one, mm-hmm. but I also had the back button going, flipping over to a random Sunday night game. The Cardinal or who was it? The Vikings and the a lot of competition. Yeah. Twice they went up against Sunday night football. And like, that's awful for the NBA. They don't want oh, yeah. to do that. And that's why they have their sport that ends in, you know, June, July timeframe mm-hmm. uh, when they don't have to worry about that stuff, I guess. Is there any, I guess, from your point of view, it sounds like you're more just kind of reporting, but is there any, I guess, um, how do you feel about it? Do you think it is just football is king and forever and always will be king? And it doesn't even matter if LeBron's trying to go for his fourth or fifth or 10th, or is it just timing? Is it the politics? What have you seen, you know, kind of just doing your own research personally? It's the timing. That That is the biggest factor right now. You have just... Too much, too much sports going on right now, especially, like I said, from that late August through, you know, the end of the NBA finals, there was just so much going on that was part of the calendar. This should have been part of the calendar in the spring. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the NFL is king and it's always going to overshadow you. And that's why you saw in recent years, sports that tried to end early in the fall, whether it be the PGA Tour or the IndyCar series, they're like, we don't even want a piece of that. We're moving our calendar to end on Labor Day weekend. Or right before Labor Day, because no one wants to go up against football. Will that always be the case? I'm, I'm not going to say that. I mean, I'm not, I can't speak for 25, 30, 50 years out, because if you look that long in the mm-hmm. past, baseball was king. Yep. And so, you know, you never want to say you never want to say never. And the demographics are, you know, get a little older for football. They're a little better for basketball. But am I worried about like the NBA and the sharp drop that they saw for the playoffs in the final. No, you can't make any sort of judgment this year compared to last year. Anybody who is making that sort of comparison, like, oh, the NBA is in trouble because they're down in October versus what was normally a June. No, like you don't, you're not really understanding the sports media landscape and how it all really works. Um, now, Every property was seeing that a lot of most properties were seeing that sort of decline, whether it was the NHL or the U.S. Open of golf, U.S. Open Ooh. of tennis, like everything that had shifted or, you know, was seeing increased competition was down. And football is also down. But like Roger Goodell said, we'll take down 10 percent right now, just given the nature of everything. And it's not just the competition. It is an exhaustion level that you're kind of seeing out there and. Not just watching, you know, it's watching, yeah, an exhaustion level from watching sports, but also an exhaustion just on being in COVID for so long. People are just kind of tired and, you know, you're watching sports and there's no crowd at Mm -hmm. many or most of these, or if it is, it's a reduced crowd. And, you know, seeing the crowd on TV, you know, that was a big, that's a big part of a telecast. Like the crowd goes wild like that, like, you know, a loud, you know, three, two count in the world series and the home crowd is just going nuts. Like you're not feeling mm-hmm. a lot of that. Or, you know, if it's a last second shot in the NBA, the crowd's not on their feet going nuts for there's something to be said for that is that it's just not the same. So like make uh, it's tough to get, you can make the year over year comparisons just to see yes. what it is, but to judge the health of a sport or the health of a league right now, based on that, I, I think that is almost disingenuous. Mm. Now, for the NBA in particular, like, you know, a lot has been made about, oh, there's, you know, you know they made, had a, did a lot with Black Lives Matter, uh, but so did, so did sports like NASCAR. Um, I think the people that are making the big deal about that, uh, I don't know that that was necessarily the NBA's target audience or they weren't watching the NBA beforehand anyways. 
So I, I don't really see much of, you know, in the data that I've seen, I haven't seen much attributed to that in terms of loss of audience. Love it. Shout out Clay Travis. I hate that guy. Um, but anyway, so for, you know, we were talking about the NBA, obviously, as you said, the NFL is down too, but that's also mm-hmm. because there's other sports on, right? I'm sure the NBA yeah. or the NFL would have had better ratings that night that LeBron James was going up for his, you know, I'm so I'm sure they're kind of happy that a lot of this yeah, stuff LeBron James in LA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's what the NBA loves. I love getting the Lakers. And, and one thing about the, you know, the NBA in particular, as you said, is that the, the demographic skews a lot younger. So you always hear Mark Cuban come on. He also doesn't like Clay Travis. So maybe me and Mark should have a show, but um, you know, he, he always comes on and talks about, Hey, well, like we have X number of, you know, 15, you know, once these games are over, we then have people that go onto YouTube and watch the highlights of these games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, overnight there's another 15 million views on these, on these, just these highlight games and these reactions. And how, how do you, as, as a journalist, you know, working, especially that ratings aspect of it. Obviously the live aspect is necessary because that's what advertisers are paying for, right? It's the last frontier of TV. If it wasn't for sports, I would not have cable and I would save myself a lot of money, but because live sports, you have to watch them live. I even hate watch. I hate streaming them because even if I'm on that half second delay, it doesn't feel as real. And you can't do that two screen experience because you might get something on Twitter. You're like, wait, wait, I haven't seen the last shot. Exactly. But I do that two screen experience. Sometimes we do a four screen experience when, <laughs> when necessary on Sundays, particularly. But how do you look at that aspect of like, OK, maybe the NBA ratings are X when it's live, but then understanding the digital space of it and how much streaming is coming into play, how much YouTube and these these reaction and these highlight videos are coming into play. Now, I know you can't really u- utilize those numbers, but how do you kind of take that to, I guess, change the conversation or at least give light to it to make sure people understand like hey there's this whole other there's this generation of kids that never have had tv and they love the nba more than anybody you just won't see it in those particular ratings you know i'm going to take the streaming part of that first the streaming of a live event um yeah that is growing and that you know while ratings are down streaming of these events is up big um the problem is it's still not it's still a kind of a drop in the bucket compared to where it's being shown on linear TV, which is you know ESPN, ABC, Fox, et cetera. And that's where the majority of eyeballs continue to be. But I mean, I think everyone knows the future is is streaming um, how long it takes for it for a complete migration. I mean, look how long it took for things to get on cable, like, like the college football playoff or Monday Night Football. Like that was decades. And, you know, we're just now seeing, you know, strong enough bandwidth from some of these places to be able to support something like that. So when, but when you, so when you see about like, Oh, Amazon's interested in a package of NFL games, you know, that that's great. And they have the money, but how many, the, the NFL would lose millions and millions of eyeballs and the advertisers aren't going to want to pony up for that sort of thing. So while they're going to want to work with Amazon, they want that sort of partner to, you know, to, to work with. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily going to lose, give them one of the, those bigger Sunday packages because not only are the incumbents wanting back in on that, you're just, you're just losing too many viewers to be able to, to put that sort of package there. Now, you know, one thing you can maybe look at is maybe Amazon takes something like the NFL London games mm-hmm. because, you know, those are going nine o'clock on Fox or CBS anyways. And who knows if Fox really wanted those to begin with that you're just, you're not, you're getting a couple million viewers, but uh, it's something that the NFL might want to, you know, test a package out with a streaming company like, like Amazon. Um, in regards to like social media, I mean, it's so important. The NBA is on their 
game mm-hmm. with connecting through so many platforms. You know, it was Twitter and it's Facebook and it's Instagram and it's TikTok and it's uh, Snapchat. And, you know, all these places have dedicated sports departments now because they know the avidity that a sports fan brings. And it'll get them on that platform. And the leagues know that by being on the platforms, they're connecting to a, y- a much younger audience. And there's something else I want to talk about, like, you know, with, with respect to the NBA versus something like the NFL. The NFL is the king in the United States, and they have a huge deal and huge media rights deals. And the NBA has a very good media rights deal, but not at that level. But the NBA is also picking up in international deals. They have deals all over the world in places like, you know, Brazil and Japan and the Baltics and the Balkans and, you know, anywhere that NBA players are coming from because it's a much more global, you know, player base. And those are those rights fees are going to continue to grow. Now, don't get me wrong. NFL games are shown internationally, but, uh, you know, you're not getting players from Slovenia or, or Serbia or Australia or Brazil and Argentina that are, you know, coming into the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a that's a really good point as well because I mean there's so many I mean we we heard about it in the beginning of the NBA season which feels like it was like three years ago now with the, everything that happened with China and how they're going to lose their ass because the the you know the Rockets are not pretty much not allowed to be played obviously the Rockets being one of the biggest teams in China because of Yao Ming yeah, yeah. Well, because of Yao Ming when he went you know and he was on that team for I don't even know how long it felt like his whole career and you know that aspect of it made China huge many of the people revenue loss. Yeah, huge. And, and it's just crazy when you think about it, like they have better ratings in China, you know, some NBA games do than they actually do here in the United States because of that yeah. aspect, which is, you know, it's very it's a sheer numbers game. You got a yeah. billion and a half people. That, you know? <laughs> that definitely helps. That definitely helps. So I think that part is pretty interesting as well. And I guess so. So with man- managing editor, right, of uh, digital platforms, mm-hmm. I, I guess what does that encompass? all things internet is that all social media podcasts email newsletter like that sounds like a lot of stuff considering that's like that's the lifeblood of sports now right as we've been talking about everything if it's not online is it did it really even happen so like how do you like how do you have 35 minutes 40 minutes for me in the middle of a in the middle of a wednesday i do appreciate it again uh, everybody make sure to go follow at Austin Clark, 24 hours in a day so everyone just needs to remember that there are 24 hours you can get a lot mm-hmm. done but you know, and I'll, you also have to balance that with with home life and things and I like that. It. But uh, you know, yeah, we, you know, when I came over, we weren't really podcasting a whole lot. Um, we our social media needed a lot of work, and uh, you know, I've now hired a staff, and they're, you know, I've kind of hired some people that know what they're doing, mm-hmm. and I've kind of stepped away, and I, you know, I contribute editorially where I can help. But I mean, they're so smart that I just kind of, you know watch and in marvel at what, what they've been able to do pumping out content getting connected on different platforms you know whether it's linkedin or we have facebook and obviously twitter is our primary vehicle um but you hire smart people and you let them do their work you stay in touch you stay you communicate um i i now uh i'm working a lot with the, the people who host our podcast like uh, bill king andrew levin are two of our primary hosts there we're always talking about, oh, who do we want to get on? What topic is good? What's a new company that we could potentially target? Because, you know, we want to highlight the up and coming executives. We want to highlight up and coming, you know, companies that are trying to make their mark. So it's not just talking to the established people in the industry. You really want to get a mix of, of what's going on out there. But like you said, you know, digital is a lot. We're pumping out a lot of podcasts, whether it's, uh, you know, we do a daily SBJ Unpacks podcast. And Abe Madcor, our executive editor, gives like a four to five minute uh, news brief in the mornings called 
Buzzcast. And, you know, that all, those are all outside of our, you know, outside the paywall. And I highly encourage you, if you are interested in the business of sports, to listen to both of those, you know, particularly, you know, Abe Madcore giving you the, the the, the hits of the day, like what is important, what you really need to be following, because he is one of, if not the leading sports business expert in, in the country. And, uh, you know, we, we also do stuff around esports, and, you know, it's just trying to give people the option, like what you have all sorts of things that you can listen to in our suite of offerings. And like 12, 15 years ago, did you ever think you'd be talking about kids playing video games? Uh, I, I did not. Um, you know, Crazy, right? Five years ago, once I started seeing some people really get into it and we were really starting to focus on it, I'm like, all right, instead of fighting this, instead of saying, oh, who cares about people watching people play video games? I leaned into it and I really wanted to learn about it. I went down, you know, I I got in touch with a contact at Turner Sports, went down, watched a live E-League event where there was, you know, it was a studio crowd, but they were going nuts over these five people playing Counter-Strike Global Offensive. And I'm like, this is nuts. And I, and I talked to the producers about, you know, they're treating it like, you know, a live sports telecast. They brought people over from the NBA broadcasts they mm-hmm. were doing to film this. And, you know, now you see a company like Riot Games, which uh, makes the League of Legends uh, title. You know, you look at their championship that they do every year. It is they put on an event that are, that is almost like the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Like it, it is that high level, high produced. They invest millions of dollars in it and it is so well done. It is so impressive. And they are really adopting some of the best practices from stick and ball sports to produce these esports events. And they're gigantic. League of Legends in particular. League of Legends, if a lot of people don't realize, they've actually had a professional league for a really long time. It mm-hmm. feels like, I mean, I'm, I think I'm getting my numbers mixed up, but it feels like it's been over 20 years that they've had like a professional league going on. And obviously- over a lot. It's been a lot. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. Hyperbole. Every good story needs a little hyperbole. Anyway. 50, 60, you know, anything. Yeah. If it, like 100 but, years at this point. But yeah, I mean, it, it's like UFC. When UFC started, it was very niche. And mixed martial arts was, ah, oh, it's not really a thing. And you know, now it's on ESPN all the time. It was on mm-hmm. Fox for years all the time. Like, it's part of the mainstream culture. And that's what esports wants to do. And the reason that advertisers and investors are like, you know, seeing dollar signs in their eyes is, it, it, like the NBA is a global sport. You know, South America, Asia is huge. China, Korea, Europe, Australia. I mean, United States is, you know, just kind of really catching up to, uh, especially, you know, Asia in, t- in terms of avidity for these things. Yeah, very fledgling, especially in the uh, in the esports department. But we do have football, and I think that part. We do have football. We love we a have. Sunday and Saturday football. Yes, I uh, I watch a lot of football every weekend, and I love every second of it. So I love it. But Austin, man, this is uh this has been great. I actually have one question that I really like. What's been the biggest, most memorable scoop or exclusive that you've had in your career? Shout out, Ben. Most memorable? I, I've broken the Super Bowl rating a couple times. That's nice. You get a lot of play off of that. Um, I, I was able to break that, uh, you know, recently, like, Ally was going to be Charlotte FC's shirt mm-hmm. sponsor. Because um, it's not just the rating. You know, you make a lot of contacts over the years, and you're able to break a lot of stories. Um, I've, I've broken a lot of rating stories that get a lot of play, um, did a huge analysis around the impact four years ago of like, here's what CNN, MSNBC and CNN were doing and how much it was really impacting sports ratings at the time, mm-hmm. because that's when people started to realize like, wow, like cable news is really taking a chunk away from overall sports viewing. But, uh, you know, I, I, I try to do my work and 
move on to the next thing, you really don't have time to sit and take a victory lap because mm-hmm. uh, it is an everyday thing and there's just a lot going on in, in the news business. The news business does not stop. No. People during the pandemic in particular were like, oh, wow, you know, sports has stopped. I guess you're really not covering anything. I'm like, no, we're busier than ever because it's what is the impact mm-hmm. of the stoppage mean? Sponsorships, facilities, staffing, ad- like there's just so much to cover, whether it's good or bad. And you know, we saw this during the 2008 um, housing crisis as well. Like, what was the impact there? So th- it wasn't our first uh, merry-go-round with, with with this sort of coverage. Yeah. And so uh, one thing, don't watch cable news. It's poison, everybody. I tell my grandma that every day. It never works, but hopefully one of these days. What about um, – so the Super Bowl, Super Bowl ratings, you, you break those. Obviously, you have to have some great relationships with people, yeah. I'm sure, obviously, over the 15 years. What What are the other people doing? Like if you get 115 million people to watch the Super Bowl and then the next year it's like 100, what did the other 15 million people like? Is it really that? Is it fandom really? Because I feel like, like what the heck are you doing in that? Because it doesn't. I mean, the Super Bowl is pretty much non-dependent on the matchup these days. Maybe the Cowboys are in. You, you, you yeah, get yeah. you'll get a bigger number, but yeah, good luck. The Cowboys are in. Come on, man. That's been like 20 exactly. years. Get out of here. Um, but you got to remember, like half this country doesn't aren't really big sports fans. Like they're doing other things. They're out working on their yard. They're, people do lots of other things. And the population of the country is going growing. The demographic makeup of the country is changing. And yeah, I mean, fewer people might be watching sports overall, but um, their they're, leagues and networks are getting creative in how they're offering, where they're offering products. You know, maybe you don't want to watch a three or four hour game. You just want to watch, you know, the last half or the last quarter. And that's something the NBA has been offering. You can you can pay just to watch that. Or like you said, well, that's why social media is so important, because some people just want to see the highlights. Um, but in terms of if you, if you advertisers, brands still need to sell product mm-hmm. and they need to advertise that product. And one of the best still the best way to do that is with live sports. You know, it used to be, oh, you, you, you had Cheers and you had Frasier and you had Friends and you had Big Bang Theory where you could show commercials during that because it was still destination television. But in, if you're in, in terms of entertainment programming like that, I mean, that, that's that's going to be non-existent. That's going to be on stream. Those are the first things that will go completely to streaming services. Mm-hmm. The, the, the big things now are news and sports. So if you look at the most viewed telecasts in any given year going forward, it's just dominated by the NFL and your NBA finals or world series, or if the Olympics are on, you know, you'll, you'll get, you know, 17 to 20 nights, maybe crack the top 100 or all, you know, or all of them. Um, it just, it just depends. And, but with big bang theory gone, like you're not really seeing anything that is scripted really, really crack that list. It's mm-hmm. the Emmys and the Oscars and the things like that. You gotta be live. It's crazy, man. Yeah, Big Bang Theory, putting that in a group with Seinfeld and Frasier and Cheers. I don't know. Not, not the biggest fan. But uh, one other question here by Marcel. Appreciate the question. Mm-hmm. Has the pandemic improved journalism in certain ways? Well, I guess it, let's, let's make it more general. What has, How has the a pandemic affected journalism, both positive and negative? Well, at first, it was, it was interesting because there was no live sports to cover. So people that normally were writing game stories – they all of a sudden wanted to become sports business experts. Hey. So everyone's kind of uh, worried about what was going on. And now that we're back, everyone's kind of interested. You know, people are getting more into their team and league beats. And um, it, it's affected it in that more people are working remotely. You're not necessarily following a team for, for a whole season. You're not in training camp. And, you know, 
companies are seeing that you can do that remotely, I, I guess. Maybe it's not, it doesn't, you don't get the same feel, I guess, in sport. You got to be there for sports. Mm-hmm. You got to be on the field talking to athletes and, you know, people are adjusting. And, um, but there's been a lot more interest in the business of sports for sure. Um, whether it be from an ESPN or the athletic or anything like that. But, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We continue to be at it. We're offering more stuff. And I'm very proud of the work that we've done and that we've increased it. And the staff that we've, you know, added during this time, we're just, you know, kicking ass and taking names. I love it. Kicking ass, taking names. Sports Business Journal, Sports Business Daily. They've been around for a little while. Uh, Legacies at this point. Obviously, you've been around for a little while as well, Austin. And sincerely do appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Explain a little bit about what you've done, what you're doing. And uh, I guess just the last thing, where are you going? What's next? I mean, managing editor of digital at a a giant media company or relatively sized media company, especially within the space, that's pretty sweet considering digital is one of the most important things now when it comes to what we're talking about with news. But I guess... Where do you go from here, man? You know, I'm really interested in the data and analytics that we're going to be that we're starting to offer. You know, I I did my undergrad at Georgia Tech, so I you know I, I have a lot of that just in my background as well. And you know, we have a new product called Sports Atlas, where we're can you know we're going to be offering some really you know unique, fresh information related to sports and sports business. And I'm interested in working that into our editorial products. Like mm. you know, here's what happened. Here's the business of it. You know. Here's, here's what the numbers mean because we can provide that expertise. And then the last thing that I forgot that I was going to ask, betting. How excited are you to start covering betting? I mean, we've seen the Darren Ravel effect over at places like that, the Action Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do some cool stuff. I mean, it doesn't sound like you're going to be you're, – you're probably going to be more on the business side of betting, seeing you know what DraftKings has done, how it's done it, those mm-hmm. types of things. Obviously, new books popping up every other day. It feels like what – I guess, as you said, you, the, the sports betting is starting this week, correct? We on Friday we'll be launching, uh, you know, SBJ betting, where Love we're covering it. the business of sports betting, like you talked about. Like, who are the players? What are they doing? What does the legislation look like, almost state mm-hmm. by state? Because it's not a federal issue; it's it's tough to cover state mm-hmm. by state. And you know, it's a fledgling industry. We are just getting started, and you know, where are brick and mortar betting? How is that doing? Like, who is doing mobile betting? It's like you said, New Jersey is a mobile betting state. You know, I've heard stories about people. You take the train in from the city, you get off on that first platform in New Jersey. Everyone's all of a sudden getting on their phone to try to place bets. And you know, how can we get to mobile betting a little quicker? And also, you know, you, you see places like the American Gaming Association talking about like, how do we, if we're going to be doing this, if we're really going to make a, a run at sports betting in this country. Let, let's do it in a positive way. Let's do it in a mindful way. Let's not get minors. You know, let's not do advertising. Let's not like when DraftKings and FanDuel were blanketing, oh, you know, God, that was awesome. telecast a couple of years ago. Like we, we can't, we can't do that. Like, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta be mindful that underage people are watching these things and treat them almost like alcohol or, or tobacco ads, like be very respectful so that we're not getting, you know, youth addictions to sports betting in this country. We, it, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but it is—it's also awesome. I think that's, uh, that's it. It is awesome if it's done, you know, in, in, yeah. in a you know respectful manner and exactly like, like anything. And does North Car- North Carolina doesn't have sports betting yet, right? I think uh, there may have been approval for one that they hasn't opened yet on uh, one of the um, Indian tribes, as okay. a yep. you know here, but uh, definitely not mobile for sure. Yeah, mobile is is awesome. Um, it's a lot of fun. So once once everyone can do it, say it again. 
So they tell me. Yes, yes. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, when it does become legal and, and live there, you'll be good to go. And obviously, we're seeing a lot of states start to open up the mobile aspect because mm-hmm. they're seeing places like New Jersey and Colorado and the revenue that's coming in. And obviously, over the last few months with the pandemic, uh, many states have lost a lot of revenue and paid out a yeah. lot more money. So it's it's just one of those things where it's perfect storm. I mean, not the best kind of storm. Obviously, we're not happy that all this happened, but it's, it's for the industry. It is type of a, a perfect. You also storm. Don't, yeah, if you're a state, you don't want to fall behind to a neighbor. If you're, you know, you know, Tennessee, especially, you know, yep. Memphis politicians saw that Mississippi was really stepping up their game and people were going into Mississippi to go play sports bets. So they're like, all right, we got to we got to get at this on the legislative level. And, you know, that's not a fast task sometimes. And mm-hmm. government just doesn't move that quickly. And so they knew they had to get on, get on their game. Yeah. And the fact that all these states are kind of doing it on their own. Um, now, obviously, the ones that have come later can see places like, well, do you want to do it like Delaware and run it through the lottery and make ten dollars? Or do you want to do it like New Jersey, open it up and you can make yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars? So it's just one of those things. So I'm very excited to get to see some of the stuff that you guys are rocking with. Excited for Friday. As of this is a recording on October 21st. It is a Wednesday. So a couple more days, man. So I'm excited to see it. Can't wait, man. But Austin Carp, this has been fantastic. One more time. Where can everybody find you on Twitter? At Austin Carp. Nice and easy. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening, everybody. Hope you make it a wonderful day and uh, appreciate your time today, Austin. Thank you. Michael, thanks for having me.